Mark chapter 6 and verse 47. And as you stand, as we read this evening, Mark 6 and verse 47, we're just going to read uh, five verses this evening. The Bible says, And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he, referring to Jesus, alone on the land. And when he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them, and about the fourth watch of the night he cometh unto them walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit, and cried out, For they all saw him and were troubled, and immediately he talked to them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure, and wondered. I want you to notice this verse this evening. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Let's pray this evening as we jump into this. Dear Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to preach. Lord, I thank you. For this church and what it means to me. And Lord, I ask that uh, over the next few moments you would calm my nerves, Lord, that you would allow me to be able to preach what you've put on my heart, Lord. I pray that you would allow us to be able to leave uh, uh, with a better love for you, Lord, and just recognition of what true power looks like in our lives, Lord. And I pray that you bless the time to come. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. As a kid uh, growing up, my parents always made it a goal of theirs, and I feel like probably most parents, most kids would also experience this, to, to teach us life lessons, right? Every parent has those lessons they want to teach their kids, and um, I, growing up, I can think uh, my dad was always teaching us boys to love the Lord and to serve in ministry, uh, to have proper food manners, whatever it was, not to be weird, Mrs. Ingram, like that one, but um, learn not to be weird. Um, but there were some lessons as a kid that they just took longer to get than others. You know, there, there's some lessons you really don't get off of just your parents telling you. you got to go experience it, right? And so uh, it was Father's Day. I remember my mom came to me, and I'm the oldest of five, and so there's two brothers underneath me. And he, she came to us boys, and she said, I want to surprise your dad, and I want to get him a, a grill for Father's Day. So now to you, you may be thinking that's a classic Father's Day gift. Um, congratulations. What's so special about that? Okay, so to us... We always had the charcoal grill, like the small one with the yellow and orange stuff rusted out underneath it, and it doesn't really work. So like this time, like we were going to go get like six burners, gas grill, and like we were pumped for this thing. So my, my dad came out, we surprised him, and, and over the next two weeks, really faithfully, I don't know if it's been used since then, but over the next two weeks, we really uh, used it. And, and most of you out there who've had a gas grill, I don't know, but I, I would assume this is probably common in all of them. There's the one switch that you turn on and then the ignition switch, and that gets the one burner on, and then you click the other ones and they all catch, and then you can control the temperature. So my dad was teaching us how to do that, and uh, again, big life lesson here. So <laughs> he, he's teaching us how to do this, how to turn on the grill. So there's one Sunday night, my brothers and I were in the car, and we're coming back home from church, and it's time to eat dinner. I remember my brothers and I begging our dad, would you let us turn on the grill this time? I don't know why it was a big deal to us to turn on the grill. Um, we weren't cooking anything. We just wanted to turn it on. That, that was it. But then again, the most exciting thing in our life right then was Nerf guns and building forts and whatever. So we just wanted to turn on the grill. We wanted to see the fire that was there. Uh, so we get, we get back that night and we go. And so being the oldest child, you know, I, I know everything already. And so I got to help my younger siblings really see what's, what's happening here. So 
Uh, instead of turning on the one burner, I, I turn on all six burners, um, and the lid was closed. So now for you who don't understand that, that means the gas is just going inside of this contained metal box. And uh, so we wanted to see the fire, right? Because what's the point of doing it? Yeah, you got it. Okay, so we open up the lid, all six burners on, boom, ignition, boom, fire everywhere, right? So my eyebrows gone, hair gone, knuckle hair gone, the porcupine thing I got going on right now, gone. Um, so it was a great learning experience, right? But there's some lessons in our lives, there's some lessons that we read about in the Bible that, that take a little bit longer than most to fully understand. A little bit longer than most to fully grasp. And here in this passage, Jesus is teaching his disciples a lesson. And it's a lesson that is taking a little bit longer than most for them to understand. And the point of this storm is to position in the minds of the disciples that Jesus alone is all-powerful. Jesus alone is all-powerful, far above what even their disbelief could try and limit his power to in their life. Jesus alone is all-powerful. And I believe that tonight there's, there's a handful of lessons uh, that I just want to present to you uh, that I believe we find in this passage. And the first one is this. Um, look with me at verse 48. The disciples never ask for God's power in the middle of the storm. The disciples never ask for God's power in the middle of the storm. Verse 48. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. Even in the other gospel accounts, such as uh, Matthew 14.22, John 6.16, there's never a record of them coming to God, or them asking for help, or them asking for power when caught in the middle of the storm. And the Bible says he comes walking to them on the, in the fourth watch of the night. So the original time frame, the original uh, watch, I guess you could say, was the Hebrew watch. And that was, that was divided into three watches, your first, middle, and your last watch. But through the more Roman supremacy, Roman influence, uh, they began to take over and devise new time systems. And so that's where we get these four watches. So the first watch would look something like 6 to 9 p.m., uh, 9 p.m. to 12 a.m., 12 a.m. to 3 a.m. would be your, your third watch. And then that fourth watch, with the, which the Bible is talking about here, would be about 3 to 6 a.m. So these disciples have been fighting the storm for quite some time now. And, and something just like a, I found it interesting, maybe you won't, but the geography that, that is here, the disciples have actually made another trip of similar distance within the last 24 to 30, 32, 36 hours. So earlier, they are in Capernaum, and then they travel, and that's where Jesus does the feeding of the 5,000. Well, then God tell, or Jesus tells them to get onto a ship, and now they are, they are off in the middle of the water. The storm pushes them, and they end up meeting the demon-possessed man. Both trips are believed to be around six miles long. Both trips are believed to be around six miles long. So this wasn't some uh, really difficult task for the disciples. This wasn't something that they hadn't already done. They hadn't already experienced. They were masters on the water. They knew it. They had just made a similar trip. And, and I don't know if maybe you could say uh, it was pride that was in the disciples' heart about it. They were so comfortable with it. They knew they could do it in their own strength. But one thing's for sure, the disciples were never asking for God's power in the middle of the storm. A young missionary, Herbert Jackson, was given a car to help him in his work. And, and it was a great car. It, it was awesome for being on the mission field. I believe they were in Africa. And uh, the car was great, except it had one problem. The one problem was uh, it, it wouldn't start. So that's a big problem. Um, so that he devised this system and how to get it to start. So what he would do is he'd park at the top of hills next to schools and he'd go into the teacher and ask if he could have the kids come out and push his car down the hill 
And somehow that got enough power that the car got started, and then he would just use it all day and park it at the top of the hill again. So he devised this cool system, right? So two years in, uh, health problems land on his family. He has to go back to the States. A young missionary is there, and so he's explaining to him, you know, you got to do this, and you got to either jump it, or you got to get a bunch of kids to help you out on this one. And so uh, the young missionary says, is it okay if I just look under the hood and just take a look? And he's like, that's fine. I don't think you're going to find anything. So he opens up the hood, and he, he noticed some loose cables in the bottom. So the young missionary begins connecting the cables and tightening some things together, and he went and started the car, and instantly it roared back to life. You see, the power to start the car was there the whole time. They weren't lacking the power, but they were lacking it being connected. And I think so often in our lives, uh, we try to seek our power. We try to seek power from ourselves. And what I mean by that is like we often hate submiss- submitting to authority. We hate giving that power up to someone else. It's part of the flesh that's in us. Um, teenagers and college students my age, um, can I just remind you this night, um, it, I don't know. It's, so, it, it's such a temptation for us not to submit to the authority that's over us. It's the flesh in us. We don't want to submit to the parents. We don't want to submit to the pastor or the teacher. But a good reminder for us this evening is that failure to submit to God's leadership, failure to submit to God's leadership is failure to submit to God. Don't, don't be deceived this, this evening in thinking that you are following God perfectly and that God's power is upon your life when you, when you backtalk and you gossip and you say bad things about those who are over you. And really, if we're being honest, this isn't just something that affects my generation. I believe we see it in all walks of life. We see it in all ages, this rebellious spirit of, I want control. I want to have a say over what's happening in my life, whether it's turning it over to our pastor or turning it over to the spiritual leaders in our life. We have got to be those who are submissive to our authority, but also surrender ourselves to seek God's power through prayer. Billy Sunday said, He that is a stranger to prayer is a stranger to power. He that is a stranger to prayer is a stranger to power. So we see the disciples didn't ask for God's power. Secondly, the disciples were so distracted by the storm that they were in that they did not notice God's power. They were so distracted by the storm that they were in that they did not notice God's power when it finally arrived. Verse 49, But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit, and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. The disciples were surprised to see anything on the water at this time. So much so that when they did see something, they just assumed it was a ghost. And the disciples were so distracted by the storm that they were currently in, they forgot about the God who had calmed the storm two, hour, or two chapters earlier. God's already calmed a storm in their lives before, but yet whenever they were caught in the storm, when it consumed them, when the God of those miracles had to be the God of theirs, they didn't look for his power. They didn't look for him to show up. Think about some of the things that the disciples would do. The disciples would become more and more inclined to the power of God. They, they would go and they'd heal people and they'd raise people from the dead. Uh, they would go on to die these gruesome deaths through uh, torture and, and these horrific things for the sake of Christ. And I don't believe this evening that they could have gone that far, as far as they did, unless they had come into contact with the power of God. Unless they had really, God's power had to become true in their lives personally. And the disciples at this point aren't even looking for him. Think of life today. Do we expect God to show up? 
No, like, like seriously, like when I know we have the Saturday night prayer meeting, we have the Sunday morning prayer meeting, but we pray and we ask God, I want you to work in the service. Would you bring this visitor? Would you help this marriage? Would you help uh, this financial situation? Do we expect God to do what we ask? I, I don't think it's a coincidence that those with the biggest view of God often see the biggest miracles in their life. Can I encourage you this evening that that family member that you've been praying for, that, that one that's uh, really rebellious and is off in their own way and you've prayed for them for 5, 15, uh, 20, 30, 35 years, God needs someone looking for Him to show up in their lives, to keep praying and to seek God's face and to not give up because God still wants to do a work. And that financial situation that it just doesn't seem like God's going to come through he wants you to keep looking for his power to show up. That lost coworker who whose life is falling apart and his marriage is in shambles and he doesn't know what to do. He needs someone praying and looking for God to show up in his life. Amen. He does. Amen. The disciples never asked for God's power. The disciples were so distracted by the storm they did not recognize God's power. And the disciples forgot all the other times when God's power had been shown in their lives. The disciples forgot all the other times when God's power had been shown in their lives. Verse uh, 52, Mark 6, 52, the Bible says, For they consider not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. And this is really crazy to think about. This is hard really for us to imagine. How, how did you not remember what God was doing? He, here's a list of miracles that have happened before we get to this account in Mark chapter 6. I'm just going to read them to you really quick. Jesus, born of a virgin, changes water into wine, heals the royal official's son, heals the demoniac, heals Peter's mother-in-law, heals the sick during the evening, helps the disciples catch a large number of fish, heals a leper, heals a centurion's servant, heals a paralyzed man, heals a withered hand, raises a widow's son, calms the storm, heals the demon-possessed man, heals a woman with internal bleeding, raises Jairus' daughter, heals two blind men, heals a mute demon-possessed man, and feeds the 5,000 5, and their families. All of these things took place before he came walking to the, on the water to the disciples. And even though the disciples were there, they did not recognize God's power. And is it possible this evening that they became so caught up in the ministry, they became so uh, caught up about the work of God that they ended up forgetting the God that they were serving? They got caught, so, so caught up in the work of God that they forgot the God they were serving. And the Bible tells us why. Because their hearts were hardened. One author described Harden as this. It, it brings to mind an elephant's foot. Heavy layers of tough skin that prevent any dexterity or filling. But the question is, why? Why, why was their heart hardened? It doesn't make any sense. Why, why was their heart hardened? Really, I believe there's three reasons that I've found that people might say it is. And I'm going to kind of just walk us through those really quickly. The first reason is this. Was their heart hardened uh, because of God? And I believe that we can scratch this one off the list, and here's why. One, God's actively using them. God's actively using them. He used them in, the, in, the dis, in handing out and dispersing the bread and the fish earlier, and he continues to use them later. Uh, the second option is their heart hardened because of sin. Well, I also believe we can rule this one off the table because, one, God never corrects them for sin. There's never a correction before or after for sin. And secondly, you've got to remember that these people were striving to be like Jesus. They weren't uh, just the everyday Christians, even though we should be striving to look for Jesus. They were walking with him daily. They were trying to emulate their lives exactly by Jesus. And again, God is actively using them. So what is hardening their hearts? And this evening, I believe it's this. 
Limited expectations. Limited expectations. The disciples still enjoyed their limited expectation that Jesus would be a human Messiah establishing a physical kingdom that would overthrow Rome, where they would reign with him in political power, and that's what they expected. That's what they wanted. They did not expect Jesus to be God, possessing authority over all of creation. And here's the point right here. The reason the disciples didn't get the point earlier, and the reason that the disciples didn't get a point with all of the miracles beforehand, and the reason the disciples didn't look for his power, and the reason that, that, that it, he, they didn't recognize God's power when it showed up was this. They were so, they were so convinced, and, and they had this predetermined thought of who Jesus is, that their hearts were hardened to the thought of anything else. They had a predetermined idea of who Jesus must be, that their hearts were hardened to anything else. How about today in our lives? Are we, are we putting God in a box this evening? It, it's interesting to think about because we really have no control over God or His power, but we do control how we think of God. We do control what we believe about God. And I believe that there are, there are a couple traps that Christians can fall into. And the first is we are not aware of God's power. I mean, we, we don't really understand or want to understand how great God's power is. And the second is, uh, you don't want to see God in his power. It, it makes us vulnerable to think of God as the God who could snap his fingers and end our entire life right where it's at, could end the world with the snap of a fingers. It makes us uncomfortable to think of God with that type of power. I know we've stayed on the topic of prayer this evening, but I believe it's something important. I, I, I also don't think, as I said earlier, that it's a coincidence that those with the biggest view of God are often those who see the biggest miracles happen in their life. I really wonder what God would do with people who were just fully surrendered and could see God in his full power, expected God to do what he says. Even when we come to the miracle that we read about today, it's hard for us to imagine that. It's hard for us to imagine it. it. These were eyewitness accounts. It would be the same thing as if Josh had come to you and told you what happened at the Covington Square on, on Friday. These were eyewitness accounts. These were things that were actively happening. Yet so often we want to take God and we want to put him in this box and we say, no, that's the God of the Bible and this is the God of today. But the God of the Bible wants to be the God of today. He wants to have the power and he wants to do the work in your heart today. But we, we try to trap, we put ourselves in this trap where we, we condense God into this little box and God can do this, and, and whenever MasterCard doesn't help me out, I'll come back over to this, and he'll be able to help me. And if it's something way out of my control, then, then I'll, use, I'll use God. But it's really just kind of like a, a wing on a prayer. We'll just see what happens. Well, hopefully God will be here to help. God's power, God wants to do great things in your co-workers' lives this morning, or this evening. God, God wants to work. That there, so often we limit, well, God, God can't do much with him. He has a past. God's power is working. No, uh, God, God really, I don't see God using me or calling me to go serve somewhere else. I'm just not equipped for that. That's just not, I'm not comfortable. That's not really what I'm good at. And the whole time God's power is sitting here, it can be accessed through prayer, and we kind of just thumb our nose up at it. And we sit around and we twiddle our thumbs and we worry instead of accessing God's power through prayer. This evening, have you got so caught up in your service for Christ that you've forgotten why you're really serving him and who you're really serving. This evening, it's easy to get bogged down by the different ministries you may be serving in. Um, But let's not forget that those children that you faithfully serve on Sunday morning and on Wednesday night, 
God has a purpose for their lives. His power is going to show real in their lives. He wants to do something great with them. The, the co-worker that you're faithfully ministering to, the family member, the finances, whatever it is in your life, God has a purpose. He has a plan. But so often we will limit what God will do because of our mindset on God. Our mindset is limited. We've limited God's power into what he can do, and we never seek it. So this evening, how do you view God? Are you failing to see him or to seek him as the disciples did? Are you looking for his power in your life? Have you begun to forget all the other times when God has proven to be faithful over and over and over and over again? This evening, God's power is real and it's working. Let's be those who ask for his power, look for his power, and then let's not forget all the times he's proven to be faithful. Let's pray this evening. Dear God, we thank you for your word. We thank you how, how true it is, Lord. I pray that you'd allow us to be those who look for your power. Lord, your power is accessed through prayer. I pray that you'd allow our view of you to be what it should be and allow us to be able to see your power working in our lives. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.